0: Welcome to the Mission Daily. I'm Chad Grills. I'm joined by Ian Faison. What's up, man? This is what's up. This is a message from a listener. Quote, don't you dare ever end on a cliffhanger again. I'm just kidding. That's not a message. (laughs) That's
1: not a message from a listener. If you didn't listen to yesterday's episode where we were talking about the new intelligence test, part one, you should go back and listen to it. And we ended with a cliffhanger of what is the new intelligence test. So we're going to be talking about that today. In part two. And the new intelligence test that is really,
0: really important way to change your paradigm about how you think about intelligence, um, general cognitive ability, the emotional and creative quotients of your intelligence. Um, This is just so exciting because I think it's going to help a lot of people start to look at the future and themselves
1: in a whole new light. Quick question. Shoot. Why should people care about their intelligence, Like, why should be like, because and I don't, nobody
0: else does. Ooh, that's the, like the that. hard, the hard answer is that, um, you like your intelligence can be improved to a place that you can't currently imagine your intelligence, your capabilities, your imagination, the things that you can achieve, uh, or that you could achieve in the future.
1: You can't even imagine right now. So would you say that when we're talking about like the new intelligence test, yeah, is this something that you should apply to yourself? Is it something Is it, it's, it's definitely, you should apply to your friends? Be like, hey, <laughs> hey, Chad, you should take this test. <laughs> well, what, what's cool about this isn't
0: necessarily a, a test from a standardized testing standpoint, uh, but it's something it's like it's more of a heuristic. It's something that you can keep in your head to do like a self-analysis or self-check every month, every quarter, uh, or whenever you're analyzing, should I do something or should I not? It's it's really helpful. So maybe it's a formula or a way to measure measure it or
1: think about. So, it. And a, yeah, I think a, so for, a formula might a be a formula. Way and the reason why a formula makes sense is because you can have like exponential things in a formula. Yes, you can yeah, have the point. inputs equal some enormous output and i think that's part of like what we're talking about with intelligence is that
0: and we're going to talk about functions later on and that's really exciting because the sum total of the inputs can be yeah far greater than they would be yeah yeah
1: themselves. so like a, ma- a quick math primer for everybody who forgot about it probably because they haven't <laughs> taken it since they were sitting for their sat which is it's a callback um is that the reason why it matters and why these why this all matters to have a growth mindset to have uh to measure your intelligence in this way is because the other ways are capped and this way is not capped. That's and, a well said. Yeah. You know, if you're measuring your intelligence on a scale of zero to four, that is not a good measure. Yes. If you're measuring it on what is SATs? Well, ours was zero to 1600.
0: And, and Oh, and just real quick too, like the why behind this, I wanted to just provide a quick example. So our uh, my final deployment in the military, I set I think I took a day or two days to basically write out a five year plan for myself, Uh, like really, really in depth and detail. I was, you know, this is all I did for like a day and a half on one weekend. And I I took it, I had stuff read it, all, all those things. And the proof of why this works is because right at about the same time, so this is roughly five years ago, I was thinking of this new type of formula or way to think about intelligence. And at the same time, I wrote out this five year plan. Well, it's five years later now, almost on the dot. And the things that I wrote in that five-year plan, um, none of them happened. But at the time, they were the best outcomes that I could have imagined for myself. Oh, yeah. And I'm so thankful that none of them happened. But perhaps what's most exciting is that the things I'm doing now, I didn't even know that they existed back then. The people that I'm working with, the investors that we have, like all those things, I didn't even know that stuff existed in the world. And so that's the proof that this or things like it can take you to a place that you can't even imagine right now
1: and that's the whole obviously reason for our podcast and reason for the mission is the idea of accelerated learning and making yourself so much better so much faster that you look back six months from now and are can't believe that that's yes. where you were and
0: in a sense that is that's kind of a, another way to think about heaven which is like a place that's better than you can currently even imagine and that's a really inspiring way to look at life so let's cut to the chase here The new formula, new way to think about intelligence that's been really valuable for me is thinking about the new measure of intelligence uh, being grit plus imagination plus skills. So the three variables there are grit, imagination, and skills. So Ian, how do you think about grit or how would you define that?
1: I thought it was a pretty good movie. Uh, (laughs) I enjoyed anytime you can have a... Are you talking about true grit? Oh, yeah. Is that not what we're talking about? (laughs) I love so it. So Wikipedia, is, wait, is it
0: not? Wikipedia that, defines is, grit as a positive non-cognitive trait based on an individual's passion for a particular long-term goal or end state coupled with a powerful motivation to achieve their respective objective. This perseverance of effort promotes the overcoming of obstacles or challenges that will lie within a gritty individual's path to accomplishment and serves as a driving force in achievement realization. So that's yeah, a little bit of an academic description, but um, grit is something that happens. Uh it's what your grandmother might have told you that, you know, it's gonna build character type thing. Um that's yeah,
1: yeah. And so perseverance or resilience or ambition or need for achievement. Do you guys do like eighth grade gifts or basically like did any time in school did that you get given a uh like a gift? Like a uh I'm doing a horrible job of explaining I, I didn't this. get
0: valentine's, valentine's Day, valentine's <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, t-
1: I'm talking about sorry uh <laughs> <I'm> just kidding <laughs> so, i got one from my mom so in in eighth grade we had or our our faculty gave each graduating eighth grader a like a a virtue or something like that it was like i bestow this so like chad the gift of friendship or like the gift of perseverance or something like that yeah
0: no we had uh drive your tractor to school day <laughs> was about the extent of our... Um.
1: Okay. Well, so anywho, the reason why I say this is uh, mine was industriousness, which I had no oh. idea what that meant at the time. But it, it uh, this, this sounds like a, a humble brag, but it's obviously not. But that's kind of the... It's a similar... It's another synonym for grit, which is the idea... Um, one of... Uh, Nitin Pashia, who is a... Nitin, uh, is a venture capitalist here in the Valley. What he explains this to me as is your adversity muscle yeah. and it's something that if you immigrated to America or if you were in the military or if you had a really uh, like hard upbringing and you went
0: grew, grew up poor got your heart broken went through really bad things had yeah. a hor- horrible something happened that, yeah. that you
1: were forced to build the adversity muscle like yeah. you have to you have to work it out and every day when you wake up you have to exercise it for other people it might not be that way but maybe their adversity is something else or some type of Whatever. Right. Yeah. So the idea with grit is that it, it is something that is only earned. Yes. That's the only way to get it. It's the only way to develop it is through constant struggle and um, and working through something that's really hard.
0: Yeah. And unlike a grade on a test or something like that, grit is something that you can't fake. Yeah. It's you, not you innate. You can't fake an, an answer. It's very clear. In the afternoon or later portions of each day, when most people like are ready to tap out, they're done. It's very clear who's been through gritty type situations or who's built up that adversity muscle. Like that's just a simple work related example, but you know you see that example when you're maybe out for a run with somebody, or you're out running trails or something like that. Athletic events are a great way to practice grip. because
1: every and the reason why athletic events matter this is the reason why the navy seals do all the crazy stuff that they do the reason why is because every human physically can break right so yes. you have to find a breaking point so that's why physical events are so important to do that because you have to find your physical breaking point you have to find your mental breaking point too you know maybe that's working for like 24 hours straight, maybe that's doing something. Who was it who? And
0: it's not a scary thing because at first, I just got to add this really quick, but it sounds like a scary thing or like, oh, you shouldn't push yourself that hard. Well, I mean, we get that concept when it comes to lifting weights. Like, it's obvious that if you push yourself to failure occasionally or or all the time or or every day. Sure. Or like, you know, 85% of your capacity or whatever, you're going to be able to lift at 90% of your capacity a little bit easier next time or be able to lift 1% more, 2% more weight. It's the same thing with work and with the ability to tolerate just,
1: yeah, crap sandwiches. So did you ever, Did you ever hear the 300 workout? You remember that movie, The 300? Yeah. How that those dudes got like ridiculously yeah, strong we
0: was uh, Towards the end of the final deployment, we started doing it and it was, yeah, uh, yeah it's just such such a gut check. And yeah, I it's a, incredible. It's that. crazy
1: stuff. So for those of you who don't know, it was doing things like, they were doing crazy stuff, but doing pull-ups over like, 50, like a 50 15 deadlifts, foot. 50 yeah.
0: box jumps, 50 ups, 50, 50 of everything until you add up to 300 and it's, you do these 50 in a row. No, no breaks yep. in between. So if you think your cardiovascular endurance is good and just wait until you do the 300 workout.
1: Yeah. And so one of the things that they would do to prep for the movie was they would do pull-ups over like a 15 foot drop. Uh, so so that, that your adrenaline is like firing. You're like, I cannot drop from this or I'm going to drop super far. It's amazing what happens when you set the right stakes and incentives for you to not fail. <laughs> and so that that is grit, right? Yeah. And so and, and that's that,
0: a way that's a way to build it. That's an accessible way that anybody listening can build the grit portion of this formula today. You and so mentally, workout, get yeah, started. Yeah.
1: mentally, much harder to do that. So a way to challenge yourself might be like, you know, pulling all night or try to try to work all the way through a day when you're exhausted and know that you have to deliver on time or try to do whatever it is. It doesn't it doesn't really matter. Reading
0: an entire book in the course of a day or an entire academic article that is just like you're slogging through. You don't want to do it. Um, That's another way to build up that mental portion of grit.
1: Okay, so that's the first that's the first component of our little formula, the new way to measure intelligence. So the first one is grit. Second one.
0: Next one is imagination. So my favorite quote about imagination is that um, imagination is the largest part of what you call intelligence. That was a Michael Crichton quote at the climax of one of his novels called Sphere, where he just proceeds to launch into a uh, complete teardown (laughs) of humanity's um, attempt to measure ability (laughs) and kind of redefines it. So hardest imagination and creativity are two of the most in-demand talents in the world. So Technology sectors and any business that's trying to do more with less in a world where commoditization and globalization is becoming the norm have to seek out individuals who are imaginative uh, and they have to do so more aggressively than ever before. So, if you do consider yourself a creative or if you have new ideas and the ability to generate ideas, put them down on paper, or take action on them without censoring yourself, this is a huge benefit for you. There's never been a better time to be a creative monetizing it, however, and convincing others and proving to them your level of creativity, that's where it gets very challenging though.
1: So why this is a measure of intelligence and why this is so important is because truly intelligent people see stuff that does not exist. And that is really, really hard to do. So to create new things, to like take your scientist du jour, Marie Curie or whoever you want to see, They're trying to solve for something. They're doing all these tests and experiments and they're trying to fix a problem that was like very present in the world, right? To have imagination is to create something that people didn't even necessarily know was a problem. Sure. And not that, I mean, the scientists are extremely imaginative as well, but the idea that that thing is impossible to test on an IQ test or whatever it is, how can you do that? How could you say like, how could you rank how imaginative George R. R. Martin is for writing, you know, 10,000 words of Game of Thrones. Like, how could you do that? You, you can't. It's very difficult. And
0: it almost in every individual's case, the answer of how to measure and test for it becomes different. So uh, there are certain things we do when we're like uh, talking with applicants or where other companies are talking to applicants to try to gauge this. Uh, and the most simple one is uh, a portfolio of work. Another thing yeah. that sounds very simple is like, what have you done before that you can show me? Or what ideas do you have? Like, here are the problems I'm facing now. How would you solve them? So if you're eager to prove your imagination to someone, simply ask them, like, what things do they need solved right now? And then try to, the. yeah, of course, you don't have all the context that they have. But the point is that you'll be able to bring a beginner's mind to those problems. And if you are imaginative or if you are creative, you can start to practice uh, selling those good ideas to other people. So selling, meaning convincing them that they're good enough to implement because ideas are generally, you know, they're not worth that much until they have a very clear way to be
1: implemented. I have a question so, for you. Shoot. Two people come to you and one says I'm working on a book. And the other one says I wrote a book, mm-hmm. but I haven't published <laughs> it. No, I was, I, <laughs> who was the first one against? I already forgot. No, no, these are, this is actually hypothetical. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, I was just trying to think.
0: No, I was just joking. That's the perfect, yeah, that's the perfect example where it's like the first one, most people have trained themselves to not even hear that when someone says like, oh, I'm thinking about this type thing. Um, whereas somebody who says, I've completed this, you know, check it out, or you don't even have to complete it, but you can present the um, the starting point of the sale. That's why like a book, propo- you know, book proposal is the stepping stone to actually like writing a book or selling a book or having an option or whatever the case is. Um But there's usually a small thing you can do to uh, present the idea in a really clear um, and tightly formed way.
1: And the other thing about this is it's freaking hard. Yeah. So developing this skill or developing imagination and practicing this. You have to generate super, super hard hundreds and thousands of ideas. And it's so overwhelming
0: to even think about the fact that, you know, to get one really good idea about what you should do this year, or one really good idea on how you might be able to make more money or whatever the case, whatever it is you want to do or lose weight or um, find a better relationship or, you know, your dream spouse, you might have to go through a thousand ideas to get to one that's good. And so why did I pick one and a thousand? So if we have the ultimate creativity-producing engine that is surrounding us right now—that we might not even be aware of or see—a hot studio—is
1: <laughs> that? <laughs> I just oh no, a just We're surrounding just,
0: us. We just got, we just got AC. We just uh, give me a break. It's it—it uh, it was working earlier, but now it's sorry turned off. So, so why did I pick the one out of a thousand? And why should you get comfortable thinking about you know you need to generate a thousand ideas before you're going to get to one good one? Well, it's because nature is what surrounds us, and if we look at evolution. 99.9% of all species that have ever lived have gone extinct so for every thousand ideas or every a thousand you know thousand attempts that nature makes at doing something new or every thousand mutations, one generally survives. so that's a pretty I think good metric to base you know what the stakes are for yourself when you're generating new ideas that sounds exhausting at first but you get to a thousand ideas by practicing coming up with hundred new ones a week And these don't have to be all focused around a specific thing because the ability to be creative and imaginative is definitely something that's a learned skill. And a lot of people think that either you're born with creativity or you're not. And the more I live, I just don't buy it at all. I think it's something that you develop. It's just a practice of washing off layers of culture and self-censorship. It takes years. It takes a lot of like, yeah, self-knowledge and exploration, but it's something that can be built and obviously coaxed coaxed into existence. So
1: no, just to one final thought on that. Like obviously, like Beethoven or Mozart or whoever, who is the one who was like six years old and writing symphonies? I think they all got early. I think started. they're all yeah. yeah. And, anyways, um, obviously they started super early. That does not mean I. Do we have any six year old listeners? I see. Well, Zachary, <laughs> shout oh, out! Yeah. Shout out to Zach. He's seven now. Um, but you know, obviously we don't have a lot of six year old listeners. So most people are are older. But there's no formula for that. Like there's no age, there's no age requirements. And so to look at those people and be like, Oh, well they're geniuses. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some level of that, but tell to, to label them a genius and discount yourself is to sacrifice the gift. Completely.
0: And that's where um, in certain very narrow fields like music or art or sports, it's, those are the worst places to compare yourself. Cause I, I'm all about, there's a lot of folks who think you just should never judge yourself. You should never compare. I, I think that's a, that's a misnomer. It's a really big mistake. You should actually compare yourself, but you should get the right context and you should be, have a, the right mix of being gentle, but also like really harshly objective about what you're make Make sure you're comparing apples to apples and not apples to oranges. Because once you get outside of that narrow domain of sports and music and things like that, you have the world of uh, trade and business, and that's like that's ultimately the largest portions of our economy. And in those areas, that's where it gets great because you don't have to be really good looking. You don't have to be you know six foot seven in order to succeed in those fields. You can just come up with one, yeah, <laughs> one single idea, and you can literally be set for life. And that's what. People forget in, in this in this economy, people are, you know, think that if you're a Lyft driver or Uber driver, your options are going to be limited or you're just going to be replaced by flying cars. And like, if you decide that, then yes, maybe. But if you don't, if you choose the alternative way of viewing it that you can in the course of your day, so let's just take the Lyft driver example, you can probably notice over the course of a day one thing that could make the Lyft app better. And in the course of a month, you might notice 30 things well, all 30 might be suboptimal, but maybe in month two, you keep doing this where every day you're thinking about a way to improve the Lyft app. Then maybe in month two, they start to get like really good ideas to the point where you're like, why hasn't anybody doing this? This is really like bugging me. And you reach out directly to the Lyft team and say, hey, here's how you should improve the app. And you don't get a response. Maybe you keep doing it for three months. And then maybe in the third month, somebody says, why aren't you working at Lyft Corporate? And then you get an option, you know, to go in there. Uh, But that's a a great example of wherever you're at right now, there's probably a way to make things better and you can practice uh, capitalizing on that right now.
1: Which is a perfect segue to the third piece of the equation here that we've been talking about for the new intelligence test, which is skills. Skills pay the bills. And it's... (laughs) So what type of skills are we talking about?
0: So... When we're talking about skills here, I think that, you know, we're talking about marketable skills. So skills that people are willing and ready to pay for that are not that hard to monetize.
1: So are these things that you get at a college? Are these things that you get, like, where do you...
0: I think you can get them many places because I've seen people that have gone to traditional schools and graduate school that they're they clearly experts at all of this stuff. It's definitely it doesn't happen all the time, but it definitely does. And then there are people who have been out in the wilderness, out in the world, and they've managed to really develop these skills in in a big way. Um, And it's overwhelming if we just think about like skills in a broad sense. But if we had to boil these down into four types of core skills that I see as being crucial in the new economy. Uh, So what am I basing? Like, So why are these four skills important? What are they first? Let's start with that. I think of them as beds, uh, just an acronym to refer to business skills, engineering, design, and science. B
1: E D S.
0: Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, And if beds is too triggering, you know, just mix it up. (laughs) Do E D, you know, whatever. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) Dims. There you go. Um, So these are, if you look at the job listings on, so this is a great way to prove this to yourself. Just look at the jobs listings on any site or company that you really admire, that you feel like is doing big work in the world. So if you're really inspired by, say, SpaceX, you know, check out their jobs listings and you can prove this to yourself that these are the basically if you had to fit their thousands and thousands of jobs listings into just four categories, um, this would roughly be it. And these are all highly marketable skills that you can teach yourself uh, right now. So right now online, you obviously see tons of content about business things Um, There have never been more engineering papers and tutorials for free available online. Uh, The same thing with design. Um, And also same thing with science. Um, You used to have to pay a huge sum of money to get access to academic journals. Now with things like PubMed, these are available for free. So you can actually teach yourself how to do all of this stuff um, in a very unencumbered way from traditional education.
1: I I got too excited, so I wanted to jump in. (laughs) I was going to say the thing about science is you don't have to be a scientist to practice science. That's like one of the coolest things. You You can have an N of one, and if you notice something in your
0: life that is true or useful, and you explore it, and you have a hypothesis about it, and you test that, and there's some measure of objectivity, that's, uh, you know, there's people that are cringing, they're listening to this right now. Oh, you can't run just experiments on yourself. Well, you can, and that's a great place to start. Uh, And then you can start to expand that into larger sample sizes, what might be considered real science, but...
1: So Eric Reese, and if anyone out there hasn't read his book, go read it Um, or all of his books because they're all great. That was the first time that I ever came into kind of like the just bringing the scientific method and like the experimental mindset to your everyday life. Yeah. And it's like once you talk about things they should teach you in school, you should use the scientific method all the time in your life in general because it's a great way to do things. And it really is. In every company now, in every, you know, in tech companies and whatever, they're all... Of science they're, that's basically going on Yeah, with
0: KPIs, OKRs. Like these are basically like S- science experiments. Split yeah.
1: testing, everything. Yeah. In Facebook and on your Facebook page, you are looking at a... Every day, your newsfeed is, is one of thousands of experiments that they are running with different things. Your Facebook page does not look like your friend's Facebook page and you might not know it, but... It is the case. They're doing thousands of experiments all the time. Yes. And every every tech company is doing this all the time. The things so, that
0: survive and endure in the world are based off of just huge
1: numbers of experiments. And yeah. how many people would you say that work at those companies are called a scientist? Like next to none. Yes. Like some of them have a chief scientist, obviously, sure. especially in like biomedical, obviously. But- they don't and you can be a quote-unquote scientist without getting a doctorate without doing any of that stuff now to be other types of scientists obviously you do and that's a great thing too but it's just i think people hear the word science and they're like what in like biology it's like that's not what science is. yeah no exactly <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking about applied things here i sucked at biology so
0: yeah um so we'll be talking about how to kind of supercharge your abilities in those four areas uh here as we go on but the the bottom line is that marketable skills are the type of skills that you can show proof of to someone and they can judge, um, okay, this portfolio is good. This app in the app store, that's fantastic. I can't believe you designed it yourself. Uh, or maybe you built something or designed something in the real world that you can show people. So try And if you, especially if you can reference that back to uh, a business engineering or design bent, I think that's a, just a great thing.
1: Oh, I have a practical thing for people out there that this is a, this is a good idea. And I was taught it long time ago if you have a linkedin profile or whatever it is and you have written nothing if you have zero articles that you've ever written first of all that's very bad you should have something written yeah and if you can't figure out what to write write down your leadership philosophy Sure. Spend however much, spend a weekend and write out and go. And if you don't know what that is, you should know. And you should go research and do a bunch of reading or whatever and develop like your personal leadership philosophy. And like that alone shows what you value as important. And it it shows that you are potentially imaginative. It shows that you have, you know, some level of grit, potentially some Definitely. level of skills. Like it's a really easy thing for people to do. And speaking of that, I should probably publish mine because uh, I have it written on, my, on as a Google doc. I should totally do that. Um, and
0: that's something you can do for grit, for imagination, for skills. So for grit, you can just tell a story, just practice telling the story. It doesn't even have to be written. It doesn't have to be on li- LinkedIn, but you can just practice verbally telling it. This is a time where I practice grit or something like this. And this is a time where I built my imagination skills. You get the idea. So the beauty of this new heuristic and formula for thinking about intelligence is uh, each component of these three is self-reinforcing. So for instance, if you're willing to build grit by operating in uncertainty and under adversity, you're going to start to develop ideas to solve those challenges on the fly. You're going to be able to endure more. If you can do that, it's going to lead to a boost in imagination because if you're practicing developing grit, you're literally forcing yourself to come up with idea after idea after idea to solve your problems. Uh, and then as your imagination increases, you're going to be able to you're basically going to be forced to find an outlet for it. If you have just a steady stream of ideas, you either are going to be, you know, inspired to the point where you take action or you're going to be overwhelmed with ideas. And that's not a good place to be. Um, But once your imagination is really active, you're forced into action. Because taking action is something that's very hard for a lot of people, um, but it naturally occurs when you're building your grit, building your imagination. So that's um, basically it. So search for that outlet to channel your energies and that's going to be what's, going to allow you to develop a portfolio or a body of work, anything like that.
1: So, so our formula, the mission's formula for intelligence is grit plus skill plus imagination. You got it. That's our stuff. And then next episode, we're going to be talking about finding the future.
0: I love it. The future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed.
1: William Gibson. See All right. You see time. you next time. Jinx.